I grew up with one dad, four moms, and 44 brothers and sisters, all in one house. Calvin Wayman's childhood seemed very enjoyable, but little did he know he was actually living in a cult. Everything was very controlled, regimented, and you knew your place and you knew what you should do. And you knew what you should talk like, dress like, look like. But Calvin started questioning things. There were things that definitely made me start questioning, like, oh my gosh, is this, what is this? Is this what I actually believe in? Is this, what if I am born in something that's not true? And only at 30 years old did he realize the reality of what it was, a cult. Leaving is the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. I'm getting goosebumps right now just reliving it. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Today's guest is Calvin. Now, you have a very interesting story. I mean, it's very unique. You grew up with a lot of siblings and, as you describe it, a cult. Do you want to explain more about it and what what it is? And, yeah, just explain what, what it is. Yeah, so thanks for having me, guys, by the way. This is very kind of you to invite me on. Um, I grew up in a culty religion, a, a Christian kind of religion. So many people around the world may have heard of Mormonism, and may, people consider Mormonism itself culty. I even consider that culty, but where I come from is actually a break off from regular Mormonism to something even a bit more cult-like. So I grew up in what is known as fundamentalist Mormonism. Uh, There's actually, you know, documentaries out now on the cult that I'm a part of. There's one that came out uh, around fundamentalist Mormonism called Keep Sweet on Netflix. That's uh, pretty big. And there's like a, there's like a few of these little cults in America that people don't know about or they're just under the radar. And so I come from one of those such cults. Uh, it's a four generation cult that's been going on for, you know, over a hundred years. And I was born into it. I have uh, one of the things that makes fundamentalist Mormonism, my cult in particularly, different from most faiths, even different from regular mainstream Mormonism, is its practice in polygamy. So I grew up with one dad, four moms, and 44 brothers and sisters, all in one house. Wow. Um, And it's all I knew. I was homeschooled, didn't associate with many people in the outside world. I do now. Um, Now that I've left, I'm I'm living in New York City, Manhattan. Um, But yeah, it's been a wild journey to get to this point. When did you first realize that you were in a cult? That's a good question, because somebody recently asked me that on a podcast, not until after I left. Really? Interestingly enough. Yeah. I didn't. The best way to think about it is almost like a, a cult is like a. Well, I'll tell you two quick stories, just so this makes sense as what I'm saying. There's the story of, of uh, it's like a fable of these two young fish 
that are swimming and then they pass an older fish and the older fish says, how's the water boys? They look confused and they keep on swimming away. And then finally, one of the two fish asks the other fish, what the hell is water? In other words, it's so ever present, they don't even know about it. The last creature on the planet to know what water is, is a fish. That same principle can be applied to a cult member. The last person on the planet to know that it is a cult is somebody inside of it. So that's one story. The other way to compare it is, is it's like a toxic relationship. In a toxic relationship, people don't it, it, it gets talk it gets toxic before the person realizes. And it's only after the person leaves the relationship that it becomes ever more clear how toxic that relationship actually was. And that's what it was like with this. Like there were things that definitely made me start questioning, like, oh my gosh, is this what is this? Is this what I actually believe in? Is this what if I am born in something that's not true? I didn't use the word cult, but what if this is not true? What if what if I was born somewhere else? Would I believe that? Do I resonate with the things that this stands for? And then ultimately getting to the place where I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't resonate, and I'm going to leave. Um, it was a long process, a process of about eight years from the first thought of what if this is not true to the point of actually leaving. And then it was after leaving, as time went on, it's been five years since I've left, so not too long. <laughs> but it's just in that process where I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that was even more toxic than I realized. Interesting that. I'd like to understand more about what the cult was. So uh -huh. now that you've left the cult, I imagine you see more about how regular families are brought up and regular kids are brought up. But you were brought totally. up very yep. different. So could you explain uh -huh. how your childhood was different because yeah. from a regular childhood? Yeah. Well, in a lot of ways. Um I lived on a farm. Um, so most of the kids I know now, friends and family, they didn't live on a farm. So we uh we, you know, I milked the cow every morning <laughs> as like a 13-year-old, 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old. Was homeschooled. We had a school building on our property. So we would go into school. I loved school. That was one of the things that I think ultimately is what got me to leave. Um, everything was very controlled, regimented, and you knew your place and you knew what you should do. And you knew what you should talk like, dress like, look like. And so other kids might develop friends outside of their house, obviously, like going to school and stuff like that. Well, I didn't go to school, so that didn't happen. I was homeschooled. And so the people I hung out with were either siblings or first cousins, somebody that might have lived down the street. And so by the time I was 20 years old, 99% of the people that I had deep relationship with had the last name Wayman. That's that's my last name. So I didn't have a lot of exposure to people outside of my immediate family or my family that were like cousins and stuff like that. So I hope that gives somewhat of a taste of how it might be different. This podcast is sponsored by Iceberg. Iceberg is an SEO company unlike any other. Most SEO companies tie you into a six-month, highly-priced contract, but Iceberg is different. 
Iceberg has no contract, has amazing customer service. You can contact them anytime, any day, and they'll be there for you. They actually get results and they don't charge a ridiculous amount. In fact, they'll be any genuine quote you get by 20%. So, if you want to increase website visibility and Google rankings to generate more inquiries, get in touch with Iceberg now. Contact them with the link in the description. You also mentioned somewhere on a, I think it was on a podcast or one of the, one of the videos you've done, that whenever you were walking down the street and you saw a car coming to you, you you were taught to run behind a bush. Oh yeah, um, good good pickup. Not walking down the street because we couldn't walk down the street. Not if we, not when we were really young. We didn't walk down the street. We didn't leave the property. In fact, my siblings and I would sneak off to to run down the street to grab like Wendy's or McDonald's. Those are like fast food chains. I don't know if they're there and I'm sure they, especially McDonald's, it's definitely everywhere. But, uh, um, but if a car came down the street while we were even in our yard, if we were in the backyard and a car was coming, then we were taught to like hide behind a bush or get in the house because we did not want the authorities to know that we were living polygamy. Because we were taught that if if they found out, then my parents could go to jail, and so we were very we were taught to be very secretive. Why polygamy is pol- oh, I can't say this word is polygamy? Is that correct? Polygamy is it illegal? Yeah, yeah. Is it illegal in the United? It States? isn't. It was. It was in Utah during my upbringing. It has since been decriminalized in the last few years. Um, but yeah, so just some quick history. So the early Mormon church, the the founder, Joseph Smith, and the, the first church leaders were polygamists. Joseph Smith was a polygamist. Brigham Young was a polygamist. Joseph F. Smith. These are some of the founding members of the church. They lived polygamy. They had multiple wives. Brigham Young had something like 56 wives, like bananas, like a lot of wives. <clears throat> But and and they were living in Utah. And they Utah was not a state of United States yet, but they wanted to be. And the government, the federal government was not wanting to grant Utah statehood until they abolished slavery and polygamy and they would not abolish polygamy. And then finally. Uh, they actually started to get a lot of pressure from the federal government to the point where the federal government said, you can't live polygamy and we're actually going to start taking church property. And they were, they were confiscating church property. So suddenly the LDS church, the Mormon church came up with a revelation that polygamy was no longer required. Now this was, this was a big key turning point because early Mormon uh, in that time period, it wasn't taught that polygamy was okay. It was taught that it was necessary, that it was necessary to get into the highest heaven. In Mormonism, there's like it's like a pyramid scheme. You can keep on advancing. There's like a third heaven, um, the the highest heaven called the celestial kingdom. To get to the celestial kingdom, you had to be living polygamy. That's what that's what was taught. And so they went from saying you need to live polygamy to get into the the celestial kingdom to Actually, we changed our mind or God changed his mind. Never mind. All this is going to tie back to a point of where where we we come from. But there were still people within the church that were polygamists, that 
had families. They were like, we just, we're not going to give up our families. And they continued to live it. But because they continued to live that way, the leadership in Mormonism received even more pressure from the federal government. So the LDS church ended up cutting off or kicking out their own members that were living polygamy. In other words, they kicked out members for living and believing the very things that they taught them, that they told them they must live, that it's necessary to get to heaven. And then they kicked them out. That's where fundamentalist Mormonism comes from. And that's where polygamy comes from. So polygamy is a big part of fundamentalist Mormonism because number one, that's the reason they got kicked out of the regular LDS church, but also they've been conditioned to feel and believe that this is the only way to get to the highest heaven. So it's this passionate religious group of people that live it to, because they feel like it's, it's the way it's the way to get to heaven. Well, you mentioned your journey before from going from being within the religion, the cult, whatever, whatever you want to describe as from where you are now mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. outside the community. Um, maybe if we're able to, could we look at more of that, uh, that journey through that and, and look at that. So how was it? How did your relationship with your family go throughout that when you decided, OK, maybe you were looking mm. first of all, you were looking and saying maybe this isn't right for me. Maybe I should live outside. Maybe it isn't right at all. And then you started to take steps yeah. to go out. How was that with your family? Man, painful. It's probably the best way to describe it. Um, when I decided to leave, it was important to me that I made that very clear for myself. I didn't want to be halfway in into anything. If I was going to be in the religion, I wanted to be all in the religion. If I was going to be out, I wanted to be all the way out. So when I decided to leave, I announced it. I announced it on my social media. Um, we didn't do a lot of social media in the religion, but the but the the last year that I was there, I I had been on social media. So I made a video saying it, it wasn't to anyone in particular, but it, it was like I've decided to leave my religion just for personal reasons. Um, I love my religion. I love what it's given me, but I just need to keep on moving on. That was essentially the gist. But it created a big, pardon my French, shitstorm in the community. Um, it put a lot of tensions toward me that I did not realize would happen. Um, people that I grew up with became estranged overnight. Family members I had tensions with. Um, it was very isolating. It felt like somewhere in that journey, I had an image popping in my mind, what it felt like. And that was, I felt like that I was now outside of like a camp that I'd been in my whole life, but I was outside of the camp naked. It was dark. It was cold. And I couldn't go in, couldn't go back in for comfort. And I was just isolated on and alone. So the journey started off incredibly isolating. And to add to that complexity, I had an arranged marriage from the church, a church assigned marriage. So that put a big question mark on what that meant for us. But what it also did is it just made us really ask ourselves, well, what do each of us want? 
one thing that I'm really grateful for from that relationship is we were really big on finding the win-win in the relationship and and not and letting each other do whatever felt true to us and so ultimately that became obvious that we that we needed to separate because she didn't want to leave and I certainly didn't want to stay I had already left but she that's everybody everybody she ever knew and grew up with she didn't want to leave so she it's like it's going to be best for me to stay in the religion and so we ended up separating and so that just added to the isolation some like having having really no one to fall back on and so yeah and then of course covid hits so when covid hits you know that just adds to the 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 sense of the sense of loneliness but if there's like a silver lining if we want to call it that and all of that is it's it put me in this place of I was already in self-introspection. That's the introspection is what made me leave, but it really put me in a place of not only introspection but self-acceptance. Getting to this place where that needs to be my foundation anyway. That I'm okay with myself. That I am not needing out external validation to feel okay. And I had to learn the last few years to be okay in my own company if that's all the company that I have. Not that I want to live that way, as in not connect to other people. I mean, I love live I love people. <laughs> I wouldn't live in New York City if I didn't love people. There's like there's a there's a lot of people there's a lot of people here. Um but I had to get to this place that I feel safe with myself on my own. And I'm gonna and that also like blossomed into this realization that I can make my life my life and it doesn't have to make sense to anybody it just has to make sense to me and that's what I, that's the journey I'm on now and I feel like I'm getting to this place finally certainly within the last year so very fresh it's only been a year since I've been coming to New York it's only been four months since I signed my name on a lease this feels like the first time I'm truly in Calvin's life the the life that Calvin chose instead of just the following the script that I happened to be handed at birth. And it's been one heck of a journey to go off script and to feel like, well, what kind of script do I want to write for myself? What, what journey do I want to have? Um, but I feel like I'm getting there. I feel like I'm finally getting there. And that feels awesome. Really happy to hear that. Yeah. That's really good. Was it you described those moments where when to to leave, the journey that you had to go on was a real struggle. Um, the, yeah. the moment of when your 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 wife left you, where your where the community essentially left you, and then there was COVID. It's it's quite a lot. Does uh, did you ever regret it? Regret leaving? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I definitely had doubts. I wouldn't say regret, but doubts because it's hard to communicate this, but when I decided to leave, 
you, maybe you can imagine this, but how many people in my life thought that was a good idea? Precisely zero. There wasn't a single person in my life that I knew closely that thought leaving was a good idea. All the people I loved and respected, like my dad, like my, I spent my whole life trying to, you know, make him proud. Like he literally would have to recommend me to the church leaders if I wanted to like advance in the church in some way. I had to be on a good standing with him and the church leaders if I ever wanted to get a wife. Like those are the people that I looked for their approval, looked to, uh, yeah, I just respected them. And so when I decided to leave, it was no, by the way, remind me what the question was. Cause I, I want, this is tying somewhere, but just remind me really quick. Cause I want to connect to it. What was the question that you just asked? Did you ever regret leaving? Got it. So, so because I was choosing for myself, there, a lot of doubt came from that. It's, and what, where it gets, where it got even more challenging is I doubted myself all the way up to making the decision. And then I'm like, I'm deciding this. But where it gets challenging is when your doubt is validated by some other external source saying the exact same things you've thought of. Like I've thought of like, what if I'm wrong and this in life is way harder? And then I have people tell me your life's going to be way harder. I'm like, oh crap, what if they're right? Or where it really gets tough is when your actual life circumstance validates your fears. And so when I'm isolated and I'm alone and I'm like, my, I made this decision because I want to live one life. My life is supposed to be better by this decision. This doesn't feel better. And so that bred a lot of, of doubt. But ultimately, what I think worked through that is I realized why I decided. And the reason I decided was good enough for me, even if it meant I was miserable. The reason I decided was I was going to... I realized I only had one life. And I was like, if I got one life, whose life am I going to live? Am I going to live someone else's life? <clears throat> am I going to live my dad's life, my grandfather's life? It, and it's so predictable. Like I, I already saw my the life my grandfather lived my dad was living that same life my uncles were on that path so i saw the path i'm like that's a very predictable do i want to live a predictable life do i want to live that way or do i want to live a life that feels that i'm choosing it that it, that it's mine that it's even if it's quote unquote wrong do i want to live a life that is like the external world is telling me how to live just something outside of me whether that's society or the church or anyone and I was like, no, I want to live it that's mine. <clears throat> and so there's this quote, like dying on your own sword. I wanted to die on my own sword. I wanted to live my life my way. What I now know, in retrospect, it's, it's not surprising at all that I went through a hard period. It didn't mean I was wrong. It didn't mean that the decision to leave was wrong. I just, like, that's just a rough transition to cut off your entire social support systems like that we're, we're social animals, but I just trusted that I'm going to, if I follow my own instincts, intuition and heart that eventually it turns the other way. I just, I believe that. And I, and maybe I believed it out of desperation, but I believed that I, I hoped that if I stuck with it, it would turn around. And 
I wouldn't even say I'm there or that I've arrived because I know there's so much good, but I, I was just talking about this in my journal because I journal a lot, but I was just saying this in my journal recently. I'm like, I'm tasting it though. Like I'm tasting how amazing life actually can feel because I'm living a life that feels like mine. I'm hanging out with friends that I resonate with. I have such a variety of friends in New York City around the things that I'm into, like improv or or basketball or podcasting and YouTube, entrepreneurs, like those are my family. Those are my community around things that where I feel safe to be myself. That was another thing that just as a as an aside that might be helpful for anybody listening. At first, like at first I felt bad because I felt like that I lost a lot of friends in the decision to leave. But then I, as I really thought about it, and as I've done a lot of therapy, thank God for therapy and things like that, I've realized that a really good friend is someone that you feel safe with. A really good friend is somebody that you can be yourself around, that you can explore with, and and that's okay. And that you feel safe enough that maybe they can call you out on your bullshit and they can help you grow. Like, that's a true friend. A true friend is not someone that when you are being your true self, though, discards you. And so what that made me realize is all these people that I thought were true friends weren't really. And that might feel sad. Oh, I never even had friends in the first place. But that suddenly made me feel better because I'm like, oh, I, I, I can still attract the ones that where I do feel safe to be myself. And that's what's happening now is I'm just being who I want to be, being who I am. And that by itself becomes its own perfect filter because when you're being yourself as upfront and transparent as possible, there's going to be people that are like, that's not my, like, I don't resonate with that. And it's like, okay, cool. Like we're not for everybody. But when you're, when you're being your own brand of weird, then there's people that are like, oh my gosh, somebody like you exists. Like we should be friends. And I'm like, yeah, you're weird too. And I love that. We should be friends. And, and that's where I'm really connecting in a deeper way, in a way that I never have, like way different. Like, like I thought that I had relationships in it but feeling what relationships feel like when you're truly safe and truly getting to be vulnerable and truly getting to be yourself and nobody's judging you for it it's different it's a new level and it feels good so it feels good to taste that i'm getting to taste the the life of what this actually can be so i'm curious i'm I, i'm excited and curious over the next year over the next two years over the next five and ten years yeah it's a it's an adventure i'm looking forward to now that you've left and you've been out for five years and you've started making new friends, you've started experiencing what life is like outside the cult. Do you still speak to your old family? Do they do they speak to mm -hmm. you? Are they happy to? Yeah, speak? Uh, <clears throat> yeah. And I have a big family, so you can imagine there's a lot of variation on viewpoints and where people are. I'm not the only sibling that has left. There's other siblings that have now left. Um, I'm the only one living in New York City, but there's others that are no longer affiliated. So I'm really close with those with some of those siblings, really close with like three to four of my siblings. The other ones, it's like, OK, and then there's a few I just don't get along with because they're like super in the religion or they're super dogmatic or they're homophobic or racist or believe the earth is flat, something like that, just something that makes it difficult. I mean, I still have love for them. 
And I have empathy as well because I understand what they're in. And I understand that if you're living in that one enclosed thing and you've never heard anything else, what can you expect except to think and believe what that machine is generating? But when it comes to the community at large, so yeah, so overall, I would say the my immediate family, it's okay. It's good. And great with a few of them. Like we have like a sibling group chat that we're all in on WhatsApp. So we'll yeah, hang out in there. Some of them aren't in them, but yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but the community itself, I'm viewed as a traitor. Because I decided to leave. Yeah, I'm viewed as like worse than an outsider. An outsider is like, yes, not somebody that you can trust. But if somebody was inside and then they left, that's really somebody you cannot trust. And so those relationships are pretty well gone. In fact, um, yeah, I have some community members that almost like the them seeing me in some capacity. Like I, I actually... Unfortunately, there was a, a death in the family, and I actually went back two weeks ago for a funeral for the first time and like spending a lot of time there. We're seeing a lot of faces that I haven't seen in about five years. And it was almost like maybe some community member saw that I was there or heard that I was there. But I know that like after the funeral, I started to get a little bit more heat on my social media posts from past members. Some past member created a fake social media account using my name um, and then commenting stuff, making it trying to stir drama within my own family. So I have not good relations with actual members from the community, <laughs> but the my immediate family, it's good. Do you do you feel that you and your family were brainwashed? Of course. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Strangely, I think a lot of us are without realizing it. That's the that's the thing that I can't not having the lens that I have, having bo bo been born in a cult and having to had deconstructed page by page of a belief system and also ask myself, why did I believe this ever? And checking my own motivations for staying or, or or leaving. There's this perspective I have on the outside of why anybody believes anything for any reason. And there are some things that I think, um, I mean, I think I, the most like less controversial thing, like <laughs> every parent brainwashes their kids in some way. Like they want to change, they want to, they want their kid for good reasons. Like they're like, I want you to, be a good person. And so this is the way of doing it. And so we we slowly mold people. Um, and then there are certain groups or organizations where it can become more culty or more brainwashy, where you, you're not allowed to have an individual thought different from the group. So it's not just cults that think and act culty. Uh, to me, it's, I, I see it in other places um, in society as well, but most definitely my cult brainwashed 
like to a fault to a big way in, in in detrimental ways first of all putting these men on a pedestal that they're the only you're it's your only ticket to heaven it's your only ticket to even have a relationship with god like my grandfather who was one of the church leaders i remember sitting with him and him preaching that people think that they can have an individual relationship with God. If you can't have an individual relationship with us as the true leaders of the church, then you can't have it with God. And that's to me silly because it's taking away people's individual agency to have this relationship that's outside of a human being. Um, even though I'm not particularly religious, I don't think that's a good idea. And then of course there's brainwashing that is racist or sexist or homophobic. Um, and my cult was filled with a lot of that. So brainwashed for sure. Whose fault is all of it? Was it your father's, your mother's, your grandfather's? Who would you... Say that again? Whose fault would you say all of this is? Whose fault was it? Yeah. Man, that's a good question. <sighs> all of it, including mine. In what way? It's all of our fault. And so... It's all of our fault to the extent that we have this awareness and then we like don't act on it or we turn a blind eye. This is where it gets confusing, though. It's our fault and we're the victim of it at the same time because you you're in something that. Like my dad and grandfather, they were born into this as well. And the people that they trusted and loved told them that this is the way to live. This is how you get into heaven. And so they fell victim to that, if you want to call it that, of like thinking that this is how you have to believe. And if you want to go all the way to the top, who started all this nonsense? Joseph Smith. So Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, I put a lot of responsibility on um, because I think he made up polygamy to cover up his own sexual exploits, getting caught, having sex with underage girls and stuff like that and then he said that an angel made him and commanded him to do so and that's really where polygamy comes from so i put a lot of responsibility on him but even though people had somebody they trusted and loved tell them how to think act and behave i do think that when you're an adult there becomes this point where you have to take ownership and responsibility for things for your life even if it means costing you something, or in some cases, costing you everything, what feels like everything, you still need to, to, to take a stand just for human decency. And so, and so that's where I put it on people, their fault. Like, for example, I have two kids from that arranged marriage. If I would have stayed in the religion, it would have been my fault for the things that they think and believe. Now, they're still connected to it because their mom's in it, but they also are connected to me. And so what's beautiful about that is they get to learn through contrast. And so to me, I feel like it's my responsibility to give them options, to let them see that the world is much bigger than this single community. Um. So yeah, 
Uh, I think that's a great question of whose fault it is. And I think it's a nuanced conversation that needs to be had more because it is everyone's fault. And it's also people are falling victim to it, but you have to become like this individual and take responsibility for what is your responsibility and that like your life and those that you born, like those are your responsibility. And so you have to uh, take accountability on some level. Are you fed up constantly grappling with your tax return? Well, look no further. Kangaf accountants have never made it easier to manage your HMRC self-assessment. You will get a tailored service that will save you hours of your time and make sure you never miss that dreaded deadline again. So what are you waiting for? Head over to kangafltd.com. That's C-A-N-G-A-F-L-T-D. Dot com or click the link in the description to see more. There was a moment in all the videos I've watched, there's been a few moments that I've sort of felt emotion towards it. Like when you there's a documentary with you and your mother and your mother left the mm -hmm. community a few mm -hmm. years after you did. And there's another moment mm -hmm. with your father where he, just before he, he passed away or was going to pass away, I can't quite remember, he said he's sorry. He actually hasn't passed away yet, uh, thank goodness. But, I mean, he's still with us. But, yeah, you were saying where he said sorry. Yeah. How how did those two moments feel? Man, uh, I mean, things I would never expect. Especially, especially my dad saying that, you know, because my dad is... He's a big teddy bear and a tyrant. <laughs> He's both. Life is so mixed. It's both. And the that that was one of the as I came out, that was one of the things I had to wrestle with is some of the behaviors that he might have been conditioned to do and act and behave. But then there are things that I'm like, I don't care who your parent was or how you like there are things you just don't do as in abusing people and my dad was that he abused people um and so it was it had this very i had this uh it's almost like innocence lost when i left because when you're in it you're taught to turn a blind eye when somebody above you does something wrong you don't bring it up and so I saw my dad do a lot of things wrong, except I didn't call it wrong when I was in it. I found some way to justify it. And then when I'm out, I'm like, okay, I don't have to pretend anymore. That was just wrong. And so we had this huge tension for a long time, especially around the way that he behaved as a parent towards his kids. And so here, like, again, finding out that he has stage four cancer, the silver lining in that, if we want to call it that, is it just meant everything in the past can stay there. It just doesn't matter because all we've got is now and what we're doing now. And so last summer, we rekindled our relationship, had a lot of conversations, and I asked him a lot of questions like, the best parts of life, what you love about life, what would you do differently? And hearing him say that he would have parented us differently 
and apologizing for the way that he did in some harsh way, r- ways, it seems simple and obvious. And people might say, yes, of course he should do that. But it's nothing I would have ever expected, especially from somebody that's like, this is like, he just is who he is. And so that meant a, a great deal to me. And it gives me, it, it inspires me too, because it just shows whether you're 20 or 30 or 65, if you're breathing, you can change. I just can't, I, just, I could barely even imagine that. Your father who abused you at the same time, he loved you and he loved him back. And he had that really yeah. mixed relationship with, and then even after, when he left, he left and there was a hard journey where yeah. he probably didn't talk to you. And then everything just falls apart. And then he says, I'm sorry. And you find out. Uh-huh. That's my life, man. It's so, that's what I'm starting to realize. Like it's boxes and black and white make life so much easier because it's, then you can just be like, no, that's a bad person. These are good people. But when you realize that everybody is an asshole, not everybody, some people are really nice, but everybody has things that they love about themselves and things that maybe they wish they could change. And that there's like, even in my upbringing, it'd be so easy to step away and say, this is all bad. And I can now look ahead, but it's like, no, it's actually not all bad. There's actually some really cool people in it. There are actually really good things that I gained growing up the way that I grew up. There are certain skill sets I have having as many siblings as I have, like be, like being able to deal with conflict because I had to do a lot of conflict resolution with siblings and stuff like that. Those were Those were skills that I actually genuinely gained growing up in that. So I can't throw it all away. And so it's, it's, it's interesting for me when I can, because I'm living my life and I'm just going through it and I'm trying to do the very best that I can for myself. But every once in a while, I can zoom out and look at my life from a third party. I'm like, man, that's so freaking weird and interesting. Like the 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 nuance, the that it's not black and white, that there is good, that there is bad, that there is like trying to sort through what is the good, what is the bad. And finding the, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a better word than nuance, finding the nuance in everything. Cause there, there's a lot of it in a world that's black and white. It's interesting to see where there's good and where's there's bad and how it can somehow be like mixed together. The yin and yang. Yeah. Yin and yang for sure. You said you felt like it was your, well, you still feel like it's your responsibility to give, to provide your family, your siblings, your community. I'm not sure if you still call them your community, but, but it's someone you at least part of once as a community to provide them with options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel like it's your responsibility to sit to quote unquote save them? To see them? To save them? Save them? No. No. That's a great question, man. I love that question because. People have asked me that all the time. They're like, uh, people, I think that's an illusion. I think saving someone in a cult, first of all, it's our natural human reaction to want to do what's best for them. But there's so much complexity around it that we don't realize. Like, we've seen people try to, save fundamentalist kids and they traumatized them even worse because they've taken them from their evil parents but a kid needs their parents 
and they need what they need is they they need to instead of like saving them what they really need is be empowered they need to like learn to be a, 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 a an individual person however that is if somebody would have come and taken me out of the religion when i was a teenager i probably would have turned out very it probably would turn out really bad for me and i probably would have dug my heels in put on my blinders and probably be in it right now it took me a long process to be okay and feel strong enough to stand on my own two feet so what i feel like my responsibility is of doing is i've gone through a freaking long and arduous journey and process and i for anybody that's ready if i can sh it, it's weird to talk about this because i don't i don't want to be anybody's savior I want to be some example to them that they maybe can see themselves in me, in my journey that they're like, oh, I feel that way. I question that. And I want, I want it to be, I want it to be a, a, like hope for people in it, like that life can be okay outside of it if I choose to go outside of it, you know, because I didn't have that. I didn't know. Like I had siblings and and cousins that were rebellious that were never in it. But I never saw anyone that believed it as much as I did because I believed it fully. Like I was so in it. And then I'm not. I had zero examples of people that have left something that they believed in and they were okay after. It was usually like somebody fell off the deep end. They're like horrible. The light world is scary. There's nothing good out there. And so what I hope to do, first of all, at the end of the day, this goes back to being okay by myself. And I don't know if this sounds selfish, but I'm just going to say it. If I don't inspire a single person in the rest of my life, awesome. I'm going to live a life that feels interesting to me. That said, I think by me continuing to live a life that is interesting to me, we'll end up inspiring people. We'll end up showing people in my community that you can step outside of the script. You can write your own script. You can step outside of the box and it can be okay. And it can be really hard too. Like showing that so that they're not surprised that they know what they're getting themselves into. But just tying this back to the whole concept of saving somebody, like just knowing all of the, you're changing your whole reality of what is true, what up and down is like it's hard to explain but it's like changing the your whole world view and sometimes the concept to me even somebody even telling somebody the full truth whatever that is i think there's a conversation to be had that we should as a society or as a group should actually have conversation if that would be ethical to tell somebody the full truth like because when you're so deep-rooted to walk up to somebody and say, this person that you're worshiping is actually a, a snake oil salesman, th that changes everything. And there's so much pain that comes from that. And we need to make sure that somebody's ready for that, that they're ready to go through that process. Otherwise, it could be so much that they can't take it and they want to you know, end their life. It, it could get that to that serious. So yeah, I just want to live a life that's mine. And I want, if there's any responsibility I want to have, number one, the responsibility to live a life that feels true and authentic to me. And through doing that, certainly with my kids, I want to provide options that if they, and even in the options, it's more of a self-empowerment thing that 
they can see that you can be your own person and you can choose the religion if you want, or you can choose something else if you want, but you're an empowered individual. And here's someone that was so conditioned to not be an individual, to live the way that the community was told to live, now living a life that's very different, that's very individualistic. And so I want to advocate for that individuality so that people can make a life that they're actually proud to live. Would you be, you say, you're saying about you really want to empower people or you want to show people that you can be, you can, you can make your own choices and everyone should have their individuality and you'd like to pass that on to your kids. What happens mm-hmm. if, would you be happy if your kids went, they, they took that and they said, yes, I've really looked into it. I want to go back into the community you were once part of. Great. And you'll Great. be happy with that? Yeah. It's their choice. Yeah. As long as they, I mean, like they just spent 10 days with me here in New York City. That would have been bananas if I would have done that as a kid. I didn't get on a plane until I was 20. I didn't go to a movie theater till I was 18. Like there's a lot of experiences I didn't have. My kids are going to be exposed and they already have been exposed to the world. That's what I feel like my job is. My job is as a as their not just as a parent, but as a parent that has specifically lived this life, my job is to number one, love them unconditionally, no matter what, make them feel safe in who they are, always be a space that they can talk to me about anything. And then number two is to create some sort of exposure and adventure in their life. Like their mom does a great job creating routine for them. You know, they live with her mostly, takes them to school and stuff like that i how i view my job is to expose them to things that are different than their regular life that they can see that the world is bigger and also reaffirm who they are as individuals so that as they turn into adulthood they can make those choices and if they make a choice that's different than what i want then who am i that like if i if i felt sad then i'm going against everything that i stand for and that's individuality and if they choose something for themselves and it's their choice, I'll love them no matter what they choose. Is it is it okay when you look when when you look back? It's not is it okay, but when you look back at the community you you were part of and you look at the people you saved, is there a feeling of not saved? Let's change that word. The people you've helped to to and and empowered to to say no, maybe this isn't the right choice for me. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you feel like a sense of happiness for the people who escaped and a sense of sadness for the people who haven't? I definitely feel good for them because I, because when somebody makes the choice, um, I mean, it's an instant kinship because I know how difficult it is. Yeah. And so if I play any small part in that, like I've, I mean, I don't talk about this too often, but I mean, I've had people that have reached out to me inside cult-like communities before they've left. And they've found my content somewhere and they're like, I don't even want to share my name just because I'm afraid of anybody finding out, but I just want you to know I'm watching and I'm contemplating leaving. And it's just so like when you're telling me how scary it is, like I'm getting goosebumps right now, just reliving it because I'm like, uh, like, it puts me back to where I was. I feel their terror. And 
I've been very careful in those conversations because in those conversations, it'd be very easy for me to just say, yeah, you should leave. But what I try to do is just like, hey, I know how tough this is. If you need any support, you let me know. I got your back. And so it feels good to hear people like that looking to make some decision for themselves that is like in this person's case, the th thing I'm thinking about, that's a pretty recent conversation, like literally goes against everything. Like what his dad is saying he should do, like some of his older siblings, like he can't even, he can't even share his doubt out loud with most of his family. And he's considering leaving this cult. It's actually not my cult. It's a different cult. But then of course I've had people that have left and What's also interesting is I'll have people that I've had no idea that they've been following me. And then they tell me years later, like, dude, like I gained so much seeing you go do your thing. Like you have no idea how much it's, it's inspired me or it's kept me going on the days that feel hard. And that feels good for sure. It feels really good to know that. Um, it's actually been those things. And especially the couple of times where I've had people consider leaving the religion that really make me want to share the process because mm -hmm. again i can be a something that they can point to that gives them some sort of courage to make a life that's theirs on their own time i really love that yeah i've got one last question before we finish is life on the outside everything you'd hoped and imagined it would be that's a really good question <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good question um how can i answer this it is everything i thought it would be and nothing like i thought it would be it's both so here's the thing here's the thing yeah, there are things I wanted. I knew I wanted to live a life that was mine. However, I'd never lived a life that was mine. So I had no frame of reference of what that was going to feel like. There's so much unknown that there was. Like, I, I knew I wanted to be happy. Am I happier? Yeah. But I've also felt things that were deep and painful that I'm grateful for, actually. I'm grateful for the times that I've fallen into dark depression. I know that's a crazy thing to say. And I didn't feel that way when I was going through some of that time. But to me, it gave me it, it like it it's almost like it uh what's the word with wine when you're tasting a lot of different wines like it sharpens the palate or something. To me it do, it's done that. And there's still so much unknowns. And to me, like the, the thing that's exciting is tasting those unknowns and, and experiencing life that I couldn't have ever imagined because I didn't have any frame of reference to see what was there. That's why I love New York City. Like random stuff can happen that I call New York City magic that you just don't know is going to happen. Um, one of the most strange ones just happened. You guys know who Adam Sandler is? Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing basketball with Adam Sandler right outside my window. Like really? that's like being a cult kid <laughs> that played basketball on a farm 
like hoping I didn't bounce the ball in like chicken poop to then being in New York city. And then Adam Sandler starts showing up to the basketball court that I play at every day. That's bananas. That's New York city magic. Could I have planned that? No. And there's so many things that happen like that. And there's things that are simple things that I didn't think I would love. Like, uh, you know, I love improv and comedy. That was never, I, that was never a plan. It wasn't like you're going to leave the cult and get into comedy and improv, but that's become something that's part of my healing in a way. Part of my therapy is, you know, getting up and just playing around and being a kid. And uh, right around the transition of leaving, I fell in love with flying, like just being in a plane. It, it's always It's always been a thing. And that's something that, you know, growing up, I didn't think that would be like something I really love. And so there are things that I like, yeah, I knew I would love, but then there's just so much adventure and unknown still to have. Like there's so much life to live that I don't even, it's just like, you got to keep walking and turning around the corner. And then it's like, oh, cool. This is awesome. So in some ways, great. And then other ways, I there's things that I couldn't have ever predicted just because you can't when you have no frame of reference or way of predicting it. Yeah. I would definitely do it again though. Um, here's something that I, that I've come to, like it was leaving was way harder than it. Leaving is the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. The decision to leave. It was harder than growing up in the cult. People ask me all the time, was it hard growing up in a cult? Sure. Yeah. The, the having to strip away your individuality eventually and feeling like that you couldn't, you know, go be a normal kid and hang out with your friends and you stayed in a French yard. That was tough, but it doesn't even hold a candle to the difficulty of uprooting your entire life at 30 years old. That was so incredibly painful as painful as it was. If it was a hundred times more painful, I would do it again because I would rather live a life that's mine. I would rather live a life that's listening to my own internal guiding system than what the outside pressures are telling me what I should do. And also because there is richness in this life. There is richness. There is, and what I mean by that is friendships feel deeper. Food tastes better. You know, like colors look brighter. Like there's there's an intensity that is that has started to develop in living a life that feels like embracing life fully that's a life that's mine so it was worth it and even if it was a hundred times harder it would still be worth it and i'm just excited and curious what is just around the corner because i'm just getting started that's amazing that's a really lovely way to end up and by the way your stand-up i saw it on your instagram that was like one of the clips it was genuinely funny so great uh, i'm just getting started with that too Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. It was, it was a pleasure. That was really interesting. Yeah, it was really it was, it was really nice. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Love you guys what you guys are doing. So I appreciate it. Um hope you have a good rest of your week. Thank you. You too.